Morning, everybody. You know, last week we learned how to handle sin and the sinner. And today what we're going to understand or we're going to try to understand is how to handle disagreements in a godly way from a, from a kingdom perspective. And I want you guys to understand this. It's disagreements. It's grievances. It's having problems with each other. How do we handle them? I mean, if you're, you were to tell me, how do you handle them in your marriage? You might tell me one thing, but then I might go to your kids and say, well, how do mom really handle them? How does mom and dad really handle disagreements? Because I want us to understand something, that God wants us to handle them in a way that would be glorifying to him. Remember, the purpose of the church, that means us. That means us in this world. When Paul thought about the church, when he thought about the church in Corinth, what he wanted the church to do was be a witness there in their city. He wanted the gospel to first and foremost permeate every area of the Christian life. And when it, that happens, you guys, then it permeates from us into the life of the neighborhood around us. It permeates into the job place that God has given us. It permeates as we gather together as a family around Thanksgiving that Christ has such an impact and such a weight in our lives that his message, his life begins to exude out from us and we begin to impact. And what was happening in Corinth was that they were failing miserably. They were failing miserably. They were carnal. They were immature. They handled things in a worldly way. And Paul's saying, not so among you. Because first and foremost, Paul wants the witness, that the witness of the Corinth church, he wants them to be victorious. He wants them to be victorious in their city. So as we look at this passage, we can look at it in the context of uh, a disagreement, you know, with maybe a guy who laid your concrete, maybe someone that did a fence for you, maybe someone that painted, maybe someone that did cabinetry, right? And as, if it's a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, and they don't do the job, what would you do? What if they kind of, they, they just kind of half-butted it, right? Notice how I, how I made that child-friendly for you guys? What if they did that? What would you do? Would you take them to court? Take them to small claims court? Is that how you would feel that would be your only recourse? Or would you go to the church, would you go to them in love and say, hey man, this is not what we, that you said you were going to do. Would you go then, maybe that he said, no, I'm not going to listen to you. You go to a brother or sister in Christ, and you guys go to him. And then he still said, no, would you go to the church, or would you go to small claims court? Be honest with yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. You think, well, no one does that. I know people that do this. My father-in-law is one of them. He has been wronged by his partners in business, Christian brothers in business, and you know what he's done? He does exactly what Paul tells us to do here. And I'll be honest with you, when he first did it, I'm like, aren't you going to take him to court? You know? And he's like, no, no, I want to settle this. I want to settle this as brothers. And I even told him, I'll go to his pastor. I'll go to his board of elders. But I want to do it in a way that will glorify God. People live this way, and we must live this way if we're to have a witness in this world. So let's go look at this problem. Ephesians, Ephesians, Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. When one of you has a grievance against another... Does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to settle disputes between brothers? 
So we see, we see the issue here. They are having problems with each other. They're having grievances against a brother in the church. That means a complaint or there's a dispute. And the thing I want us to understand is Paul is not saying, well, this one's worthy of the court and this one's worthy of the church. It's the principle on what we live our life by. It's the principle of what we value. I, I, I've titled this message, Fighting for Our Treasures, because what we see in the world is men and women fighting for what? Financial gain, for power, for some type of material wealth or some type of position in the world. That's what the world fights for. Is that what you're fighting for? Is that what we should be fighting for? I'm going to say this. We should be fighting for those souls of those that we love estranged children, estranged siblings, estranged cousins. This should be our true treasure. And if we have that mindset, it's going to change how we live out those values in the world. So, the, so this was the issue. They were having grievances. And what's the problem? Was the problem the grievance? Was that the problem? What do you guys think? No, it's not. From the, guys, we all know this. When the moment Israel left Egypt, they were having problems, weren't they? So much so that Moses, from sunup to sundown, was listening to these disputes. I don't know what they're fighting over. They were slaves for 400 years. Like, what are they taking? Like, what are they fighting over? Think of, he took more manna than me. I don't know what they're fighting over, right? But they're fighting, and Moses, from day, from morning, sunup to sundown, is listening to arguments. He had to get 70 guys to help him. That's how many, that's how many problems they were having. So this is not unusual for us to have these things, Right? But the problem in the church in Corinth is what are they doing? Instead of going to the church, again, and I want to emphasize to you that word Paul uses to describe the problems, trivial, trivial, trivial. Now, really think, what riles you up in life? Is it trivial or does it really matter? Want to know what riles me up in my life? Well, my wife puts her keys above mine on the key rack. Trivial. How you put the toilet paper, up, up, backside or frontside, trivial. Toothpaste, right? Toothpaste. Cap on, cap off, trivial. But how many fights have you gotten in over something that dumb? Be honest. Don't look at me like you have problems. I know. I know I have problems. But we all have these problems. And they're trivial, but how should we handle them? So again, the problem with the church here is they're taking their dirty laundry, the church's dirty laundry, and they're putting it before of, of the law, of Cor- the Corinthian law. Now, I want you guys to see something. Do you think if you were living in that time, from what you've read in the Gospels and what you've read in the Acts, do you think you get a fair trial when you went to the court if you were poor? No, it was pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus tells of the unrighteous judge. Paul, Felix is waiting. Hey, Paul, I'll let you go. Just, uh, you know, give me a little... Give me a little push, you know, give me a little tip, and we can see what we can do. There's no way, as a Christian, you're going to get a fair trial. And Paul's going, why are you going to them? Why are you going to them? Isn't there anybody among you who's wise enough to handle these types of problems? Paul says they're unrighteous. The New uh, Jerusalem Bible calls them sinners. The NIV says the ungodly. What does that mean? They are absent from God's values. They are absent of God's spirit. They are absent of God's love. So do you think they care about whether you get justice or not? Paul's saying, of course not. Why are you taking your dirty laundry and throwing it before people? Now, if we were to apply that to a lesser degree, maybe we want to call it a lesser degree, what do you do when you do have a problem with somebody? Do you gossip about it? Do we gossip? Do we get our friends on our side? Do we get our siblings or we get our children? I've, I've known, I was a youth pastor for years. 
You know that the kid would sometimes be put between mom and dad and the kid was like asked to choose who's right and wrong? That's ridiculous, isn't it? Happens all the time in marriage. Kids want to move as far away from they can, far away from their mom and dad they can because mom and dad use them as the judge. That's how silly it is for us to do the same thing in the world. But people do that all the time. Paul's saying you're doing it the wrong way. There's another way to handle this. There's a godly way. And again, I want you to understand something. In the Old Testament, we know this much, that the Jews, that God's people were forbidden from taking a court case before a Gentile court. They were supposed to go to the rabbi or to their own city amongst the godly, amongst those who know the God of Israel. That's what they were forbidden from going to Roman court. They were forbidden from going to a Greek court. They had to settle it amongst themselves. So what's the answer Paul's looking for here? He says, why go to the world uh, uh, when we are going to judge the world? So think about it in this sense. Paul's saying, get an eternal perspective upon your temporal position. Get an eternal perspective upon this temporary problem that someday the church, the body of Christ, is going to judge the world and judge angels. So why would we go to the world that we're going to judge to be judged by them? He says it makes absolutely no sense. And have you ever considered the fact of what he says here? That we are going to judge angels and we are going to judge the world? Paul does not provide a lot of information about what he's referring to, but the Corinthians knew what he's referring to. He said this to him as a fact of something that they understood and knew, but all we, can, all we can gather is from that someday in eternity, maybe at the final white throne judgment or at the judgment of the world, that we are going to participate and what God is doing. And in Revelation 2, verses 25 and 26, Christ is quoted as saying that those who conquer and keep his word till the end will be given a share of his authority over the nations and will rule over them. So if we're going to rule over the nations, whose values must we be practicing now? Do you see what I'm saying? We cannot have an earthly mindset to earthly possessions. We have to have an eternal mindset to temporal possessions. We have to have God's mindset to what he's given us in this world to use to bless the world, not to hoard. Not to have an identity in it, but have an identity in the kingdom of God. And I don't know a lot about the kingdom of God. We have descriptions about it in in the scriptures, but I will say this. I know this much, that the roads in the kingdom of God are gonna be made of gold, So if we're fighting over gold now, what is that saying about what we truly believe? I really want you to think about that. If the kingdom of God, the roads, the roads, the roads are made of gold, what are we fighting over in this world? (laughs) It's ridiculous, again. A lawsuit over asphalt, you know? That's what we're doing. I'm gonna fight for that asphalt. It's mine, I tell you, it's mine. And God's like, come on, man. Let's get a different perspective on what we're doing. So what, what then they should do is take it before the wise in the church. That's what Paul's telling them to do. Don't air it out before the world. Take it. And we, lo- we saw the steps last week. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Go mano y mano. Go with two or three. And then go before the church itself. That's how we should. Again, and I'm not talking about if a child got abused. They're going to court, man. We're not talking about some DUI or some kind of drug possession thing. Oh, no, I want to go before the church. Ain't happening, brother. You're going before the courts. That's their jurisdiction. But when it comes to these trivial, uh, trivial disputes we have amongst ourselves, we should come to each other and we should work it out. 
in an equitable way and trust those who love us to do it. Now, what's the solution, though? Before I even get to that, what should, how, how should we look at these things? Look what Paul says in verses 5 through 8. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. And look what he says next. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not what? Rather suffer wrong. Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. So the problem is they're trusting the world more than they trust the church. And here's the thing I want you to understand. I believe this. When we seek after possessions, when we seek after some type of monetary value and fighting with somebody, we do it out of fear and hurt. We do it out of shame. John Calvin said this, and he, he studied at two, two universities in France. He, um, he was a law student, two different universities. Then he became a theologian. But he said this about people going to court. He says, parties involved in lawsuits are, were motivated by greed, impatience, revenge, hostility. That's the motivation, he says, for these lawsuits. And Paul would say this, to even go there, to even go to, go to fight a brother in court, you're already defeated because the church has lost what? It's witness. We are acting like the world. We're chasing after personal gain. We're chasing after personal revenge. We've already lost. So no matter what the lawsuit, whether the plaintiff or the defendant wins, the defeat is for both parties when the church as a whole becomes a real loser. What are we losing? Our witness. Do you guys value your witness in the world? I really want you to think about it. The way we act, the way we talk to the cashier girl, the way we treat somebody at a store, at Walmart, the cashier at Walmart, do, you, do we value them enough that we want to act in such a way that we would be glorifying in such a way that they would look at you as being different? Because you value your witness. You value that your life is a reflection of the God we say we believe in. And that we value it in such a way that maybe if it, if it comes down to it, you know what, let me deny myself. I'd rather be defrauded. I'd rather be taken advantage of because that's what Paul is leading us to. And I will say this to you guys, that we can either live by the law of man or we can live by the royal law of Christ. And that law is going to go on forever. Because this is what Christ would say. But I say to you, Matthew 35, verses 39 and 40, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If I'm going to live that way, that means I'm free of what? Being possessed by my possessions. I'm being free from being possessed by my possessions. That I want the best even for those that will wrongfully use me. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've always said this. When is it the right time to turn the other cheek? When is it convenient and easy? Be honest. Is it ever? Is it ever a good time? Like, you know what? I think today I feel good about doing that. I think today I'm going to let this guy take advantage of me. You know what? Matter of fact, today, go ahead. Slap me. Do it again. Piece of cake. No way. It's never a good day. I mean, come on. How many guys have an easy time admitting you're wrong? Just you're wrong about directions. How about that? Wrong about something. I mean, how many of you guys have an easy time admitting that to each other? 
I'm talking about your spouse. Come on, you know you hate it. You hate it just as much as I do. It's never easy, but yet Christ is calling us to a higher way, a better way, a spiritual way, a way that gives him glory and evidences him in the earth, that we are his evidence. We are the evidence of the resurrection. We are the evidence of the kingdom of God. We are. And in, this, in these trivial cases, all of a sudden, how I respond can either bring glory to him or just act like everybody else and we go away being unnoticed. Peter would say this, for, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. Paul would say this, do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see the way of Christ? Do you see the way of Christ? Now, I want to challenge you guys with this. Trivial matters. Now you guys know I worked in the funeral business, and I've been, I've been a pastor. I've been in ministry since I was 18. You know what I've seen? I've seen families divide over mom's silverware. I've seen families, I've seen sisters stop talking to each other over mom's china. I've seen brothers split, four brothers, two on, two, two on each side, over mom's coffee table. They don't talk the rest of their lives. I've seen families go to court over whatever is left in mom and dad's bank account. Trivial matters. They don't ever talk to each other again because she got the china. Really think about that. Feel the weight of it. Feel the weight of that. Well, they didn't deserve it. I did. <laughs> that was, I, I, really? Wait, do you know Jesus? Do you know Christ? Trivial, and I wish I could say these are people in the world. No, these are people in the church. Trivial matters. Then I want you to think about this. Many years from now, do you think with your last breath, you'll regret the loss of money or goods? Will you be wishing that you won that argument with your, your brother or sister or against your friend? If we allow ourselves to be possessed by pride, the desire for earthly treasures, we have already lost. We've already lost because that is not the way of the Lord. We have to come to believe that what makes us rich is not our possessions that we have in the world but in how we use those possessions to bless others or to hoard for ourselves or to take from others or to give till it hurts. The example of Christ is he gives till it hurts. He's not possessed by possessions. He's possessed by a desire to see people reconciled to himself. You know, my mom is one of 11. One of 11. My one uncle passed away, so she was actually one of 12. When my grandfather died, he didn't have a lot, but he divided up equally the money he had in his account. They all got the same amount of money. And then, now imagine, you're your grandfather, and you have 11 kids, and then you have all these grandkids. How many gifts they got over the years? TVs, you know, clothes. My grandfather wore the same flannel because well, there was only like three holes in this one And I'll, before I get into the new one. I mean, piles of stuff. And what they did is from oldest to youngest, choose whatever is most valuable to you. And here's the thing, there was rub. Come on, man, seven sisters? There's gonna be some rub, right? And they would, they'd get frustrated, but know what they would say? No, no, you have it. I'd rather let you have it than fight over it. 
and we maintained our family unity. I've seen, them, I've seen it firsthand action. And I've already given you the examples of the other. Trivial matters. What really, what really matter to matter, uh, what should really matter to us, you guys, is restore relationships with people. What should really matter to us is not our property line, but that our neighbor will come to know Christ. That's what we should really value. And see, that's what the Corinthian church is failing to see. They're fighting. They want to fight over whatever their little trivial grievance is, and they want to win at any cost. But what do we win when we lose our witness? What do we win when we defame the glory of Christ and the glory of his message, where his message has no power because we don't want to lose? We don't want to turn the other cheek. We don't want to bless those who curse us. We don't want to do those things. And I'm telling you right now, what happens is that we lose our witness and then we lose our light in the world. But if we were to act like Jesus, I'm telling you right now, many would come to Christ. Many. Do you know that all you have is meant to make others rich and not yourself? Do you know that? Do you know that all that God has entrusted you with it's meant to be generous with others, less fortunate than you, that they might be set free, that they might come to know Christ like you know Christ, that they might come to value that which is going to last for all eternity instead of just what lasts for a lifetime. I used to manage a store, and this guy used to rip us off. You know, he knew our shift changes, and the girls were telling me, oh, this guy is ripping us off so much stuff. There he is, there he is, he's in the store. I said, okay, 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 I'll handle it. So sure enough, the guy goes around, he starts grabbing stuff and kind of is wheeling in and out of the different um, aisles and clothing racks. And he comes, like, starts to book it for the door, knowing that the girls aren't going to do anything to him. He's a big guy. And I got and I stopped him. And he's sitting there, he's looking at me. And I said, hey, bro, uh, if you need anything, just ask and I'll give it to you. You don't need to steal, just ask. And he's all, are you serious? Absolutely. Just let me know. We'll make sure you get taken care of. He didn't say where he walked out of the store and he just never came back. Because see, you can either receive a free gift or you can reject it. Because I'm telling you right now, each one of us was Liam Nielsen. And Jesus came and he says, I bought you back from evil. And I bought you back from the devil. I give you back to God. This is our season, you guys. It's our season. We're going to be with relatives we don't want to see. We're going to be at the table with people we don't want to be with. My son found out one, a relative was coming over on Thanksgiving. He says, they, they, they're really coming over? I said, yes. He says, why? Why? I said, because they're family. And my mom overheard him. And she says, we're called to love and forgive, Sebi. I said, listen to your grandmother. You know, listen to your grandmother. She's wise. And they end up, he actually ended up having a good time with his relative. Will you guys become poor that others might become rich? Will you turn the other cheek that others might see the example of Christ in a world that so desperately we have an opportunity. It's our season. It's our chance just to show the world how generous we are because we serve a God that is so generous. 
Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Father, as we come now to sit at your table, we can only reflect, Lord, upon 2 Corinthians.